bless the Lord. We praise God for you. So glad you're joining us here tonight. We're so excited about having you as a part of this worship experience. I want you to get ready now for worship. Look, if you can, start a watch party. Share with someone. Like this uh, on Facebook and also uh, as well on YouTube. Let somebody know Shiloh was on live right now. This is our Lenten season, and we're worshiping together in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ here for Lent. So let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for the week, the journey that we're on, for the fasting and praying, for the road to Calvary, for the repentance, even for the lament for our sins, you are most justly displeased. But help us, O oh God, to learn to live to love and to share your witness of good news with the world abroad. And in so doing, help us, Lord, to be givers of light into the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm excited tonight to welcome tonight a good friend, brother, beloved. Uh, I told you I wanted to bring in some more young people and some vitality. And so I got a chance to meet this young man again uh, with my daughter when she was studying at Duke Divinity School. And I like him. I think he's a wonderful gentleman. I'm so excited to have him join us tonight. He's going to be preaching for us. He has a undergraduate degree from Winston-Salem State University with a bachelor's degree in science and marketing. He has a master of divinity from Duke Divinity School and there he was a wonderful young man and studied and now has gone on to begin his PhD studies. The brother is on fire. He's working on his PhD at the University of Dayton in Dayton, Ohio. He is also, at this time, one of the worship leaders there. He serves as campus minister for Christian diversity and ecumenical ministry there at Dayton University. And I'm excited to have him with us. All the way from the University of Dayton, Dayton, Ohio, a young man growing up in the Lord, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear this word. Please welcome with me for the first time here at Shiloh, the Reverend Dustin J. Pickett. Come on, receive our dear brother in Jesus' name. Shiloh family, I am extremely grateful for this opportunity to share with you today. I am thankful uh, to Bishop Watts and to my dear friend uh, Brittany for uh, this invitation. Uh, thank you uh, so much. I am uh, so, so blessed to share with you through this Lenten season. Uh, our text today comes from Mark, the 8th chapter, verses 31 through 38. And this is what it says. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and, he re and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. 
for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are shamed of me and of my word in this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the son of man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. This is Mark, the eighth chapter, verses 31 through 38. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, why don't you pray with me as we uh, look to the Lord for inspiration through this word. Which is God, we thank you for this opportunity to share with your people. We pray now that you would use uh, this moment, use me for your glory, that something may be said, that something may uh, go forward that would empower your people to move forward in the days, weeks, and months ahead. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And this is what it says. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and, he re and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are shamed of me and of my word in this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the son of man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. This is Mark, the eighth chapter, verses 31 through 38. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In 1962, after seeing his 80-year-old grandfather rudely turned away from the registrar's office for attempting to vote, Jimmy Lee Jackson decided to join the civil rights movement. On February 18, 1965, he was among more than 200 people participating in a night march in Marion, Alabama. Before they had walked a block, they were confronted by state troopers and the police chief who ordered them to disperse. The marchers halted after the chief's order and suddenly all the streetlights on the block went out. A black minister at the head of the march knelt to pray and was struck on the head by a trooper. Other troopers began swinging their clubs and marchers panicked, running for cover. Jackson and his mother huddled for safety in a cafe. When Jackson's grandfather entered the cafe bloodied and beaten, the young man tried to take him to a hospital. 
but they were quickly shoved back by a crowd of club-swinging troopers and terrified marchers. The troopers began knocking out the cafe lights with their clubs and beating people. Jackson saw a trooper strike his mother and uh, he, he, he went in to protect her and was clubbed across the face and slammed into a cigarette machine. Another trooper pulled his pistol and shot Jackson in the stomach. It was two hours before Jackson arrived at a hospital in Selma. He died eight days later on February 26, 1965. Jimmy Lee's story is one of countless freedom fighters and black people who were met with death and danger as they attempted to fight against oppressive systems and structures. Congressman John Lewis, who transitioned last year, died still bearing physical scars from his involvement in a civil rights march that would become known as Bloody Sunday. In a 2015 interview, uh, Congressman J uh, Lewis noted, well, the physical star scars are still visible. When I go back, I remember the bridge for me is almost a sacred place because that's where some of us gave a little blood and where some people almost died, Lewis said. In this particular chapter of Mark, we encounter Jesus performing all types of miracles. The chapter opens with Jesus feeding 4,000 with seven loaves of bread and a few f small fish. After performing uh, this miracle, Jesus cures a blind man at Bethsaida. And after all of these miracles, it is revealed through Jesus's questioning of his disciples that he is indeed the Messiah. The disciples are living on a high note. Then the table turns. Jesus begins to tell his disciples about the dangers that lie ahead for him. He explains that the time will soon come when he will suffer greatly to the point of death. And it is in the moment of sharing that Peter interrupts Jesus with what uh, this particular translation of the Bible calls a rebuke. Although we weren't given the specific details of Peter's rebuke, I believe it probably went like this. What is wrong with you? If you are the Messiah, why not just save yourself from suffering? Why would you let uh, them take you out like that? Get a hold of yourself. It doesn't have to end this way. I understand Peter's rebuke. Jesus has just privately confirmed to his disciples that he is the Messiah. And in the next breath, he tells them that he will die at the hands of the system. How is it that someone with such great power is unable to escape death? Shouldn't the Messiah help to transform oppressive systems rather than fall victim to them? And like Peter, I've been there before. If you're honest with yourself, you've been there too. You've asked the questions, Lord, what are you doing while we are suffering down here? Lord, why do people continue to live 
this way. Lord, where are you when we are surrounded with so much death and destruction? Lord, where are you when black lives are being gunned down in the streets? Lord, where are you when 500,000 people are dying from a disease that has also held us captive in our homes for almost 365 days? Lord, where are you when people are going hungry across the world? Lord, where are you when death and violence are the rule of the day, Lord, where are you when we are doing and and what are you doing when women and children are being trafficked across the globe, Lord, if you are the Messiah, why do things have to be this way? Save yourself and save us. Yes, I understand Peter because I've been where Peter has been. Peter and the other disciples have followed Jesus, given up all they had only to learn that the journey will come to a dramatic and gruesome end. So I understand Peter because Peter's response is a human response. And here, after Peter's rebuke, we see Jesus attempting to set the record straight by telling Peter that the cost of discipleship is taking up one's cross and following Jesus. Jesus tells Peter, Peter, I hear what you're saying, but if you want to be my example, you can't escape the cross. You have to pick it up and follow me. Often this text is read as an invitation to suffer with Christ. We read this as Jesus saying to the disciples that they too must suffer if they want to be his followers. However, I think there is something else happening in this text. Jesus isn't telling the disciples that suffering is a prerequisite for discipleship, but that it may come as a consequence to discipleship. So Jesus corrects Peter rather harshly, not because of his desire to escape suffering, because that's human, but I believe Jesus corrects Peter so harshly because Peter was attempting to understand a divine plan through human eyes. And often that is our issue. We attempt to understand God's plan through our eyes. Jesus' journey towards the cross and his eventual death was to understand what it feels like to endure human suffering. It was a divine plan. In this moment, Jesus solidifies his identity as a freedom fighter by deciding to stay the course although he knew the implications of his actions. Jesus decided that he would continue to call out oppressive systems and structures, although it would inevitably lead him to his death. Jesus shows us what it means to be a true freedom fighter, much like Jimmy Lee Jackson and John Lewis and so many others. It isn't to run after death that's silly. But it is to run after freedom and liberation with an understanding that fighting for others ultimately may lead to death. The journey towards the cross was to call out systems of oppression, 
The journey towards the cross was a protest of the systems and structures that falsely convicted black and brown lives. The journey towards the cross was to fight on behalf of the marginalized, no matter the cost. The journey towards the cross was to understand what it felt like to live under Roman control and persecution. So when Jesus tells the disciples to take up their crosses and follow him, it was not an invitation to suffer, but rather an invitation to understand what it means to suffer. It was an invitation to understand and reckon with what it means to live in a particular body and identity that does not have the privilege to easily escape systems of oppression that bear down upon them. It was an invitation for the disciples to see the world from a different perspective, to see from the eyes of the most marginalized, the underrepresented. Jesus says to the disciples, if you want to follow me, you have to be willing to fight for the people I love, no matter the cost. And although I would prefer that it could have been another way, I'm glad that Jesus continued on the journey. Because in continuing on his journey, Jesus provides us with the lasting reminder that he knows what it feels like to suffer how we suffer. Jesus, our chief freedom fighter, reminds us that he understands the pains we are going through. And by deciding to suffer as we suffer, Jesus reminds us that our pain is his pain. Most importantly, he reminds us that our pain, in our pain, we are not alone. In the old school church, they'd often say, I wouldn't serve a God that I couldn't feel sometimes. The older I've become, the more I realize that I wouldn't serve a God who could not feel what I feel sometimes. And that is the hope in this particular text. The hope through Peter's question is that we see the deep love and compassion that Jesus has for his people, even to the point of death. Many would have taken this opportunity as an invitation to escape. Many who have called themselves allies and freedom fighters have taken the opportunity to escape. But Jesus reminds Peter that he will be with us even until the end. And I'm glad that through our suffering, Jesus is present. He is present and he understands he knows what it feels like through sickness. He's there. He knows what it feels like through pain. He's there. He knows what it feels like through grief. He's there. He knows what it feels like through every pain we have. Jesus is there and he is saying to us, I see you. You are not alone. This past year has been extremely challenging especially for people who already found themselves in difficult situations. And through this past year, with all the struggles and pains we've experienced, I needed this particular text to remind me that I don't serve a God that is disconnected from the pains and experiences of human life, but that God knows because God has been there before. 
So as we suffer, God says to us, I have felt that pain before. You're not alone. I have endured that pain before. And not only have I endured it before, but I'll endure the pain with you now. So I know that things may look tough right now, but you are not alone. I know that this past year has been difficult, but you are not alone. I know that many of you may have lost more than you could have ever imagined, but thank God that there is one who cares, who feels our pain. Your pain is a shared pain. Jesus cares about your pain. Jesus cares about your suffering. And uh, we have a reminder through Jesus, that the pain will not last always. Suffering does not have the final answer. There is an end to what you are experiencing, but you have to hold on. You know, one of my father's favorite songs goes, uh, uh, hold on just a little while longer. Pray on just a little while longer and everything will be all right. I don't know when all right will come. I don't know how long a little while longer is. But what I do know is that in our suffering, no matter how long it gets, we are not alone. And that is a blessed assurance. And I believe that is why grandma and grandpa could hold on for as long as they did. I believe that is why civil rights leaders held on for as long as they did. I believe that is why African ancestors shackled to slave chains held on as long as they did, because they had a reminder that the God of the people was with them. The old hymn at the church says, and he walks with me. And he talks with me and he says that I am his own. Another hymn says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our griefs and pains to bear. Don't give up. Don't let go. Don't throw in the towel. You have a friend. You have a freedom fighter. You have a God. You have someone who understands the pain and won't let you go through what you are facing alone. It may be difficult. Yes, the pain is real. Yes, the struggle is hard. Yes, uh, it shouldn't be this way. Yes, uh, you don't deserve what you are facing. But yes, Jesus understands. Yes, Jesus cares. Yes, Jesus is there. Yes, you are not alone because we serve the Jesus of the people who sees us in our pain and cares enough about us to share the pain with us, who cares enough about us to keep journeying towards the cross, even to the point of death for your sake, and my sake, for your freedom and my freedom, for your liberation and my liberation. That is the hope that through all we face, COVID-19 and racial uh, uh, injustice, through all we face, 
We have a God who says, I am there with you. You are not alone. Amen. And I say. Well, praise the Lord. I praise God for you. So glad you were able to join us tonight. My God, I want to thank God for our dear brother, Brother Dustin Pickett. We want to make sure you know, learn that name. This young man is up and coming. God's going to do great things with him. I'm excited about the future, and I'm looking forward to what God does. I pray you were blessed by that word from the man of God. I pray if you don't know the Lord Jesus, you receive him into your life. It's real easy. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. We want to welcome you. If you have accepted the Lord Jesus in your heart, send us a testimony. Jot down a few lines. Let us know, I heard the word tonight and something happened with me. Just drop us a line or call us and we'll get right back to you. We're excited that you're with us tonight. Now, saints, I ask that you join me as we thank God for each of these speakers. I've asked you to do a special gift of $10 for these services. Those of you that can, if you don't have it, please don't feel bad. It just means I'm not talking to you. Put it in the giving section, you know, for Tuesday night or Lenten services, and just let us know you're giving towards this Lenten gifts, and please be a partner with us. You know how to do it. Givelify, mail, or cash app. Get your gifts in, and we'll be grateful for anything you can do. Also want to remind you, the church is always available to you. On Fridays, we do our food pantry, and we help feed the hungry. So if you know somebody that needs support, get on our line. You know, that newsletter comes out every week. It tells you how to get supplies for people. Look at that newsletter. We send it to you every week. Also, we need volunteers on Friday. We need you to be here between 3 and 5 p.m. each Friday. We need volunteers on Thursdays to help us pick up the food between 10 and 12 p.m. So volunteers are needed. You know, now that we're getting a little further down the road, if you're ready to volunteer, we need your help in serving this community. We're going to do the best we can. It may be a pandemic, but problems persist. So we want to continue to be problem solvers here at Shiloh. Join me tomorrow, 1 o'clock. I'll be on the prayer call. And then on Thursday evening, <coughs> excuse me, please join me for the quiet mind for troubled times. So 1 o'clock tomorrow, Wednesday, 1 p.m., prayer line. Thursday evening, the quiet mind for troubled times. That's Thursday at 5.30. Get online with us. We're ready to have a great time in the name of the Lord. I love you. So glad you were here. Y'all come on and play us out as we close out of here today. We thank God for you, and we're just going to keep on praising the Lord and trusting God for God to do miracles in your life. This has been another one for Jesus. I love you. God loves you. Go in peace, and the peace of God go with you. You know my benediction. Shalom.